0: Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite crap beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sonny D., Thank you all for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit podcast. Big shout out to all our friends of the podcast. We got the Vegas Squares podcast, sports talk by sports fans for sports fans. We've got Fix Doctors located here in Winnipeg at 666 St. James Street. Please visit them for any cell phone, tablet, and screen repair needs you might have. We've got Skin Dimensions Tattoo also located here in Winnipeg. Visit them for any tattooing and piercing needs you might have. And down in uh, Fayetteville, Georgia, we got Zero Gravity Games. Please go and see them for any used, rare, and vintage gaming needs you might have. All right. So uh, one of the things I like to do in the morning is I like to scour through sports stores. I like to go on the Daily Mail on my Snapchat, see if there's anything really worth talking about um, that I feel kind of an urgency to get the episode out on. Uh, so it's been a little while since I've talked um, UFC, I think. I think it's been at least a few episodes now that I look back kind of at my log of episodes. Um, but, uh, regardless, uh, let's jump in to a little bit of UFC talk. There's been some interesting news and developments that have happened, uh, in the last few days and this morning and last night. So, uh, first and foremost is, uh, the UFC has a new partnership deal that began this year with ESPN. Uh, they had a long time deal with Fox, um, which ushered in the UFC on Fox era, uh, which was a transition from their former home on Spike TV and pay-per-view, of course. Every one of these deals has meant to kind of been that next um, kind of catapult the, new, the UFC to a new level. Um, and in 2016, uh, for those of you that don't know, they did go under new ownership. Uh, the Fertitta brothers who owned uh, the UFC uh, with Dana White as a minority partner sold their stakes uh, to WME IMG. And I think they've now changed – uh, the name of that company to venture or something along those lines. Uh, I'll try and find all of that for you. But regardless, um, the UFC has been trying to expand and grow, and for better or worse, I mean, Endeavor. It's uh, the new uh, parent company name is Endeavor. Um, now, so uh, they have this new, de- and, and as I was saying, for better or worse, um, the UFC is expanding, it is growing, it is reaching new levels. The sport is evolving. All of these are positive things, good things to see. Um, you know, and 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 like anything, you do get hiccups along the way. I think the biggest one um, that I point out is stardom. Um, you know, how do you? uh continue to build stars how do you continue but the promotion seems to be doing a good job the brand seems strong as ever uh the ufc is firmly planted in that number one spot in the industry um in mixed martial arts i don't think there's anybody anymore who's a real threat to them in that number one spot i think they really truly have established their position And have really pulled away firmly from their competitors. Now, just a few years ago, ESPN did not cover the UFC. They did not offer much UFC coverage. They might give it a few seconds here and there when there's a big fight. Uh, They gave it more and more coverage uh, with the Mayweather and uh, McGregor fight happening. Uh, But other than that, that was always kind of that next step they were looking to take. Was the... um, to get that kind of mainstream coverage that comes with ESPN. Fox is a great uh, partner in getting them there. Now I think the ESPN deal is another big step. With Fox, the problem became a bit of a dilution of the cards. Uh, there were some cards that really left even myself and the most dedicated of UFC fans with their heads shaking, like what is going on here? Um, The first UFC on Fox card was huge. It was for the heavyweight title. It was um, Cain Velasquez defending against Junior Dos Santos. Junior Dos Santos won. Um, And right after that was a pay-per-view fight, which ended up being, in my opinion, my favorite and one of the best uh, fights in UFC history. The uh, first Dan Henderson versus Mauricio Shogun Hua fight. That was one hell of a fight. Uh, As I said, my favorite UFC fight of all time, and, and I think my vote for the best UFC fight of all time. But, uh, I digress. We're on ESPN now. Uh, the UFC has unveiled new belts this year. Now, the cool thing about the new belts, um, and I think I mentioned this in previous episodes as part of their ongoing evolution, is new champions aren't automatically granted the new belt. Or current champions yet. Current champions aren't automatically gar- um, gifted the new belt. You do have to win the new belt. Uh, even if you are the defending champion going into your fight... Um, the way they've done it now is even at press conferences, walk, you know, going into the fight, you still hold that old UFC um, belt and upon winning you get the new one. So uh, a great example of that um, was the last UFC pay-per-view in which uh, Jon Jones defended the UFC light heavyweight title against Anthony Smith and uh, Kamaru Usman uh, defeated Tyron Woodley to become the new uh, UFC welterweight champion um Usman got the new belt uh Woodley would not have received a new belt so Woodley um defended his old style championship belt um and will not receive a new one uh Usman uh was the first uh, recipient of the new belt at welterweight uh John Jones however would have walked in with the old belt and has now walked out uh with the new belt it is a drastic change in design Uh, if you have a chance to check it out please do uh, just the difference in style, everything, sizing even with the new belt as opposed to the old belt. That's a big um, big, di- big difference, big change. Uh, I, I like it. I think it's nice because, I mean, it's always nice to kind of change things up. Uh, I, I don't think there was a need to change the UFC belt per se. But it is nice to kind of see and especially to stay with, you know, to really modernize the design and to be kind of far away from what they were going, what they had originally. It had just been, and I mean, they've done that over the years. If you look carefully, you've seen some tinkering with the belts over the years. Um, But this was a drastic change and I liked it. It um, kept with the whole thing of looking professional. It was just a nice upgrade, nice new design on the belt. Um, And whether people like the old belt or new belt more, I think it's just nice that we have a a new belt. It is uh, distinctly different from the old belt. Uh, So that's nice to see. And and who knows how long this belt will stick around for, but I like it. Uh, It's no different. They're kind of stealing the same thing. I mean, boxing has done it. Uh, The WBC belts kind of stayed the same, but I mean, they've made slight changes over the years. Um, World Wrestling uh, Entertainment, the WWE, uh, wrestling actually for years always changed their belts. Um, Now, of course, in wrestling, the belt's always a little more gimmicky and whatnot, but again, you know, that that belt represents something, and they've consistently found the time and effort to change the belt uh, periodically, and I mean, there's been some interesting iterations of belts uh, throughout the years, I mean, we can go back into the 90s, uh, the winged eagle belt, the attitude era belt, the spinner belt, um, you know, all of these things. Uh, you know, Edge had the Rated R belt, Stone Cold Steve Austin had the Smoking Skull belt. Uh, I think even there was a period of time where the Spinner belt might not have actually spun. Um, the Spinner belt was kind of a cool belt in hindsight. I mean, it was very gimmicky from the undisputed, um, belt style, uh, that they had. Uh, I think that the problem and why they went away, I mean, it was part of the John Cena gimmick, and it was kind of a weird thing because... He kind of abandoned that whole rapper gimmick right after winning his first title. So it was kind of his first, you know, WWE championship. So there's a weird progression there when you think about it and you start to see how that belt evolved. But regardless, this isn't an episode on the WWE, but just going to show like how, I mean, to stay current, to keep things interesting. And I mean, it is a marketing ploy. It is a merchandising ploy. Uh, get people buying the new product. I do apologize for my grandfather clock in the background if it is getting picked up at all on the episode. I I still don't know why I have that clock, um, but I do. And it's kind of followed me around my entire life. Anyway, it's still around. Uh, Regardless, um, I've actually changed kind of how I record these episodes. Now I found... um, Staying kind of stationary in my office slash studio to record episodes was just, I mean, so counterproductive to a healthier lifestyle and a more active lifestyle. So I've kind of moved it now. I record my episodes now in my kitchen area or my breakfast kind of table area. Um, keeps me moving. Uh, I feel a little more free when I'm doing the episodes. So a little more engaged, uh, not engaged, but just a little more free. I feel, you know, energized. Um, it's also good, too, because I can get up between episodes, whatever it might be. Uh, I think it's just a little more productive for me right now. So that's just kind of how I shift the thing. So I do apologize for the grandfather clock in the background, but what are you going to do? Anyway, UFC has new belts. So that's one development, the ESPN deal. Also, um, so I was watching um, the first bit of an interview that Dana White, the current UFC president, uh, was doing with Megan O'Levy. Uh, she's been a, um, one of the main broadcasting uh, girls for the UFC for a while now. Uh, does a great job with her interviews, her bra- um, all of that. Uh, she's also married to uh, UFC fighter Joseph Benavidez, uh, for those of you that don't know. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Um, and it's actually kind of neat too, because if ever you're in Vegas, uh, in and around fight time, especially in International Fight Week, uh, it's very easy to spot some of these people. So if you do have like a favorite UFC fighter, whatever it might be, uh, just know that, yeah, uh, there is a chance, and you could go and see them. Uh, oftentimes, you will run into them if you hang out in the right hotels. Uh, they're all, f- for the most part, fairly approachable, uh, nice people. Uh, you know, And even some might even be surprising. And it's funny because I've met some of them where I'm like, fuck, I'm, I'm not necessarily your biggest fan, but you are a genuinely nice person. Uh, and it has changed kind of my cheering for them in fights. So, I mean, go and be pleasantly surprised. But anyway... Uh, Megan Levy was uh, interviewing Dana White. uh, and I think they were in the new UFC headquarters, which isn't that new now. I think it's a couple of years old, but it's a state-of-the-art facility. They have the -the state-of-the-art training facility. They have the new headquarters. Um, Everything they've done, again, is always about growing and forward motion. And I think that's an important lesson uh, that I wanted to kind of just do a little ramble on here about is it's important, I think, in life that even when we have setbacks – Even when we're finding ourselves kind of lost and, you know, at that fork in the road, that we try to make decisions and do things that put us in a forward motion. I think that forward motion is incredibly, incredibly important. Um, I think we often kind of get trapped and find uh, when we're having lacks of success or we're not advancing, it's because we're not taking those steps in forward motions, uh, whether that be educating yourself to move forward, you know, changing jobs, changing careers, but in a forward trajectory, uh, even some things that don't appear to be forward trajectories, as long as they are forward uh, trajectories, that's such a weird word. I'm going to try and uh, wrap up using it for today. Um, it's important we continue a forward motion. And the UFC is a great example of that. Um, how they've uh, created the state-of-the-art facility for the fighters. That all the fighters have access to. Um, Forrest Griffin, former UFC light heavyweight champion. Uh, UFC Hall of Fame inductee. And I mean, for better or worse, we've got to give Forrest Griffin a lot of credit. Uh, he's rightfully earned his place in the UFC Hall of Fame. And I think what he's done for the sport... Um, helping take it to the mainstream, all these things. Fighters play, you know, it's amazing the, fi- the roles that certain fighters have played in the history of the game. But regardless, uh, he kind of runs that now, the athlete development. I forget what they've given him. But when the new ownership came in, uh, what the UFC had this habit of doing, which is really nice, and I give the Fertitas and Dana White a lot of credit for having loyalty to the people that helped them build what they have, is a lot of retiring fighters are given these kind of vice president jobs. Uh, That were just titles and paychecks. And I mean, it was an unnecessary cost, but it was really nice. It was an incredibly nice gesture that they were doing for a lot of fighters. And sadly, I think what you're seeing is some of the fighters that were on that payroll getting cut off from it. They didn't know what to do. And now, you know, they're stepping back into the cage or they're stepping back into fighting. So... I mean, it's a give and take, but nonetheless, Forrest Griffins managed to keep his job with the UFC, and I think it's because he actually always had a more hands-on approach and wanted to be actively involved in the business or whatever it might be. So I give Forrest a lot of credit there uh, with that, Um, and with that being said... Uh, yeah. So the, the training facility, and I mean, opening a facility like that is a huge investment in your, um, athletes and I give them a lot of credit. And I think you're seeing a lot more, like, I think Francis and Ganu moved to Vegas. A lot of fighters are moving to Vegas to have access to the facility, have access to the training. I mean, if this is how you're going to earn your bread and butter, you have to put your best foot forward. And I think that's the thing. I, I mean, I remember talking, uh, in my first uh, talk with Mitch episode, we we're talking about kind of having your foot half in the door, half out. I think when you decide this is what you're doing for a living or as a profession, you have to have both feet in the door. Um, and I think we've all, a lot of us, have been guilty of that in the past or at some point in our life. You're not fully focused. You're not fully invested. And it's hard to have measurable, predictable um, success. When you are not 100% invested. And sometimes that means, you know, changing endeavors, changing paths, whatever it might be. You have to be fully invested, though, I think, to have that level of success Uh, in any kind of endeavor you might be engaging, whether it be school. I know in my first couple of years of university, I struggled drastically in staying focused. Uh, I had a lot of distractions outside of the classroom, outside of the university, and it was hard to stay focused. And I think it was once I set, buckled down, and said, "You know what? This—I I, want to finish this. I want to have a univer- a university degree to my name, uh, for this. You know, for what that brings, for and and for showing people that yeah, you know what? I can fucking get it done." Um, I buckled down, got good grades. It is what it is. Um, but when you don't. You- it's hard, and I think it's easy to point the blame at externalities when it really is at yourself. Uh, and I think we just have to find—you have to find that balance within yourself and that commitment uh, in yourself to be successful. And as I said, you know, even right now as I'm trying to, you know, um, go back uh, and get myself in better shape, or at least the shape I feel I should be in, um, that I was always used to being in, um, or even better than that shape. I think I'd gotten accustomed to being kind of borderline in shape or, you know, kind of out of shape, but not, you know, completely out of shape, you know, that out of your prime shape. And I mean, it's a dangerous habit to fall into. And as you get older, it's harder and harder to get back into prime shape. And, you know, it's funny. I was telling Jess, I was telling my buddies that the number thing, one thing I've discovered as you try to get back into shape, or as you're building yourself to get back into shape. I don't even consider myself in shape. I consider myself on the track to being able to get in shape is how out of shape you were. Uh, And it's hard, especially in some things, when you know you're not going to see results tomorrow, today. It's very hard to engage, I think, as we get older, in things that don't provide us with instant gratification. As as your understanding of time, and as time seems to fly by faster, I've noticed as I've gotten older, that's one thing. is time seems to just move. uh, Pardon me. Pardon me again. You, uh, you, you you, come to understand, have this grasp of how valuable time is. And when you can't get instantaneous gratification from something, it's hard to stay motivated, it's hard to stay inspired. You lose your kind of sense of big picture, I think. Or at least I was guilty of that. Um, and I think many people are. And I think it's easy. And I, and I just want to say it's, it, it, it's not easy, but it's worth it to get on that path, get on that track, and focus long term. Um, and even, you know, it's amazing kind of that aspect of time is if you're putting in the work, putting in the time as time flies by, all of a sudden you will see those results from your hard work. So that's my little bit of spiel there. My little self-help spiel, um, there in terms of, uh, putting in the work and yeah, so you're seeing a lot of fighters, um, kind of now focus and hunker down, get exposed to the training, and not just the fight training, but, again, what the facility has to offer, whether it be the medical, the rehab, the physical therapy, all of these things that they're now having access to, those ideas of the, the, you know using the saunas, the steam rooms, the hot tubs, the cold plunges, underwater treadmills, all of these things. Um, athletes are, are having access to that they normally wouldn't have. Because, I mean, training to be a UFC fighter and being a UFC fighter isn't cheap. Uh, You are an independent contractor, as far as I believe. I can't imagine you aren't. Um, So you are independently contracted. You're on the hook unless you have sponsors. And and that's why you're seeing... I mean, in today's day and age of social media, and and Chael Sonnen did a great episode on his vlogs about how the UFC does a lot to educate their fighters. Uh, There's a lot of things the UFC does behind the scenes. And Chael Sonnen... Um, I mean, he fights for Bellator, he does fight for the opposition, still gives uh, UFC credit, and still does commentating for the UFC. So it's kind of he has a very interesting perspective. Uh, and I've met Chael, awesome guy, awesome guy. Can't say enough good thing. I uh, can't say enough good things about Chael Sonnen. But the UFC has done a lot in terms of educating their fighters and giving opportunity to their fighters and explaining to their fighters, like, look, you do, you live in this glorious age now of building a brand and it's your responsibility to create the brand you want to be and some fighters are really good at it, some fighters aren't but you're seeing a lot more of that and i mean as the sport becomes more mainstream the opportunity grows for fighters because now more people are following the sport they have favorite fighters so it's a win-win for everybody and it's kind of this nice little circle that everybody feeds them on and so, but regardless, you're still on the hook for finding ways to pay for your training, pay for your equipment, pay for your nutrition. All of these things do cost money. And if you're not in the UFC, it's even harder. I mean, you still need to be in a big uh, fight organization to get the exposure, to have people want to follow you, to have the sponsors want to be a part of it. And I mean, the, the nice thing too is in the, in combat sports, we live in a time now, as a con, you know, if you're a combat sport athlete, where opportunities are big and they're probably bigger now than they ever have been. What FC is huge over in the Asian market, and you're seeing a lot more fighters now kind of leave the UFC. or as they approach for agency, being like, you know what, I'll see what the opportunity is there. Balator, owned by Viacom, that, that's a huge platform there. You're now seeing um, the emergence now of this bare-knuckle FC, and they're getting some big names. They have uh, Conor McGregor's uh, training partner, Artem Lobov. I think they tr- uh, recently signed uh, Pauly Malignaggi. Uh, they've brought in Anthony Johnson in a kind of an athlete development role, I think. He's, he's kind of more, yeah, suit-and-tie role rather than a fighter role. Um, I saw Anthony Johnson. I think he was at the Usman fight, and, man, he looks fucking huge. Uh, like, there's no way he'd ever... I don't even know if he could make light heavyweight, even if he was fighting anymore. If I'm being honest, that was a scary dude. Um, but uh, that's one. So that's kind of where they're going now, and they've done all these right steps. So, uh, as Dana White said uh, in the interview, uh, UFC had a five-year deal with ESPN that is now a seven-year deal, and as part of the deal now, ESPN I guess has a streaming package, ESPN Plus uh streaming is becoming more and more kind of the norm and as technology advances you're seeing kind of this verge of maybe obsolation within is that the right word Obsolescence, obsolation i don't know but um cable is becoming obsolete uh or is on that verge of becoming obsolete due to the fact with all these streaming services we also live in a time uh in an era, I guess, where people are becoming more cognizant of time, you're also having, you know, both parents or both adults in a relationship are working, have full time schedules. I mean, I'm lucky, as I said, that you know, I'm a lot, you know, my living allows me to kind of work uh, from home, so to speak, right? I don't have to work in a cubicle. Um, but I'm still uh, swamped in terms of getting all my work done um, and producing my work. So even my time is very valuable. And a lot of professionals find that is your time is so valuable, so you don't have time to siphon through crap to find things that bring you joy that you want to watch. You know, whether it be TV or movies, and that's where these subscription services come in. I mean, Netflix. I got it a couple of years ago, I think now, and I mean, it's however much a month that does bring me joy. I do receive tremendous value. I watch it every night. Um, I watch it when I'm exercising. Watch while I'm playing guitar. Um, oftentimes I might even be watching while I'm podcasting. Um, I'm a lot, you know, the amount I watch it when I'm playing poker, just the value it's brought me, uh, things like poker go another streaming service, tremendous value from there, whether it be watching, um, various tournament coverage when I'm at the world series, watching what's happening in other events. A lot of these things, um, it has really supplemented and brought a tremendous value to my life. Uh, I recently subscribed, I think, to Crave. But anyway, you have to be careful to not excessively do it. Otherwise, these subscriptions quickly add up, and you're basically paying for two sets of cable. And I think what's happening is the streaming services, if you can kind of hunker down, pick ones that really complement and give you access to what you want in life, do become cheaper than cable. Cable's not cheap. And, I mean, when you look at internet, there was recently some things posted about how internet, it costs internet service providers like 40 cents a month. To provide internet access to all of their customers and yet look at how much we pay for internet like it's the most profitable business you can be in or one of them so you know when you think about these things people are getting nickel and dimed we are as consumers very guilty of not knowing as much as we should but again there's you know we have limited ability to process limited time anyway espn has a streaming service espn plus On ESPN Plus now is going to be the exclusive home of UFC pay-per-views in the United States. Um, In catching part of the interview I did, uh, Dana White, Dana has a tremendous passion for the UFC. You can really see that, and I've always been a big advocate for that. I've always loved the fact that he is just very outspoken, tells it like it is, is not afraid to use profanity. I mean, the guy just tells it like it is, spearheads takes control um, and for better or worse has put himself right in the forefront of the UFC's growth. And I give him a lot of credit. I don't know how many people could have done the same thing with the UFC that he has done. And I think a lot of credit has to be given to Dana White. And I think, I mean, if, if there was anybody I could lure, you know, that I would love to have an internship. And I've said this many a time, the two people, um, and even now I think number one would be Dana White. Number 2 it'd probably be Vince McMahon. Uh You know, those are the kind of people you want to learn business from. Uh, But anyway, and promotion from all of these things. Uh, The UFC deal now with pay-per-view, and as more details come out, it's more things to talk about. But basically the idea is is by going through one provider and one service, they're now hoping to kind of bring down that cost of pay-per-view. He was saying now you can bundle, offer discounts. A lot of these things, now that they've centralized the distribution. And that is true about centralizing distribution. That is a very important thing. So the new development there that I think was either announced that I think was just announced last night, um, was this new, and it might've even been announced two days ago. Yeah. We're at Wednesday. So maybe as early as Monday, but is this idea of, as I said, um, the centralized distribution of the UFC pay-per-views exclusively on ESPN plus. I've never used the platform, um, As you guys know, I live in Canada. But if I were in the States, I would want to try it out to see. Because, I mean, if it makes things easier, more accessible. Again, this could be a long-term partnership that goes beyond seven years for the UFC. Because I don't uh, know where they go from ESPN. You know, they have their their UFC fight pass and all of that. But... I don't know if the UFC Fight Pass kind of amalgamates with the ESPN Plus now. A lot of things could happen, which I could see happening over the next... So It'll be interesting to see over the next few months how that all develops. Um, how UFC Fight Pass kind of fits into all of this. So, because I mean, UFC Fight Pass was a way of getting the pay-per-views before. Now, if it's going to be exclusively on ESPN Plus, like, how do you... But anyway, this could be a long-term partnership. They've extended the partnership. It was a five-year deal. Now it's a seven-year deal. And another seven-year deal, which also got announced today, is Dana White has extended his deal and will stay on for the next seven, uh, for seven more years with the UFC. Um, I believe in 2016 when they had the transition, he had signed a five-year contract. Now they've added an extension, I think, effective now for seven more years. So this is a really interesting thing. Um, a lot of people have wondered when the UFC. Uh, Kind of when Dana White's run would end, and I've at times thought so, wondered as well uh, what uh, this could possibly uh, look like for the UFC uh, in terms of that same ability of does Dana White still have it? Do they need to evolve to look elsewhere? Dana White still has it. Uh, Dana White is still the guy, and I think he is still the right guy for the job. Um, nobody's known where it's come from. Nobody's had the same vision of where it's going as Dana White. I think this is a great thing for the UFC. Uh, as things are starting to come more and more together, you know, John Jones is back. GSP's kind of stepped away. That new era of the sport is going on. It's nice to see Dana White will be sticking around. Uh, and I mean, what else is there really that Dan's going to do? I mean, we all know he likes to go play blackjack. Uh, but I think there's only so much blackjack he can play before he'd miss uh, the UFC. So I think having Dana stick around is really good uh, for everyone, UFC and Dana and all the fighters, everyone included. And I mean, yeah, you can do a great job, be great for the job, be great in a role, be great for a company, and not get along with everybody. Dana White's job is not to get along with every fighter. Are there fighters that don't get along with Dana? 100%. Like, I don't want to sugarcoat that or have people not think that's the case. Yes, there are 100% fighters that Dana White does not get along with or that fighters that don't get along with Dana. However, that extends. I think at the end of the day, we can all respect what he does for the company. As far as I know and as far as I've seen, he's done a fantastic job and handled himself very, very well. Um, There were some kind of mild allegations thrown out by Brendan Schaub regarding Dana White and... Um, a relationship with uh, Ronda Rousey in the past. I don't know. I mean, in all of these, kind of, in this, in this day and age now where, I mean, a lot of people are being held accountable for inappropriate um, and misconduct in the workplace, especially sexual misconduct and sexual exploitation, I haven't really seen too many things levied against Dana White other than that, and that wasn't even a misconduct, that was just... You know, an accusation that him and Rhonda had an intimate um, relationship whether they did or didn't it doesn't seem like anybody has come forward to saying that there's anything inappropriate non-consensual about whatever may or may not have happened um, and we don't even know, it's purely speculation Brendan Chubb threw that out there um, but it kind of has disappeared now so, nice to see Dana sticking around Um, but now we also have some interesting news regarding a couple of fighters. Uh, so the big one, uh, the biggest news that I've seen today is, um, TJ Dillashaw will no longer be the, uh, UFC bantamweight champion. Uh, I think, yeah, bantamweight. He, uh, is apparently relinquishing his UFC title voluntarily. Uh, USADA has found a fighting and apparently he is uh, currently suspended indefinitely Uh, pending investigation um, from the New York State Athletic Commission. I think that's where he fought um, with uh, Henry Cejudo. This is a very startling and sad development uh, for TJ Dillashaw. Uh, He had seemed to turn a corner after the whole splitting apart from Team Alpha Male, after the loss to um, Dominic Cruz. He has rebounded on a win streak. He had the two big uh, knockout defeats of uh, Cody Garbrandt. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought he was going to move down. Uh, I think it was flyweight is where Henry Sudo's champion. And kind of eliminate that division. Win the two belts. Move back up to bantamweight. when they could kill the flyweight division. And say, look, if you can't make bantamweight, oops. But uh, Cejudo defended. Uh, beat Dillashaw. And now with this finding, it's very sad. Because, I mean, Dillashaw's not... An overly young guy. I think he's well into his 30s. I think he's actually older than me. Mid-30s now uh, for TJ Dillashaw. So depending what was found, depending what the outcome could be, this could be a very sad stumbling block and hard to overcome stumbling block uh, for TJ Dillashaw. Uh, The guy's gotten better and better with every fight. He's a phenomenal athlete. And actually, I've met him, uh, ran into him a couple times in Vegas uh, during fight weeks. Super nice guy. The way he treats his fans. Can't say enough good things about him. Uh, So this is a very sad development. Um, Unfortunate development. um, But at the same time, you have to own responsibility for it uh, and see what happened. And maybe him relinquishing the belt is his way of owning up to being like, yeah, okay, you know what, maybe I was offside here. So we'll see how this develops. Uh, we'll see what happens now at Bantamweight. Uh, there's an article on MMA Junkie now uh, with Dillashaw relinquishing his belt. Who deserves a title shot? I uh, I don't know exactly. I think is probably going to be in the conversation. The problem with these double champions in a sport like mixed martial arts, and especially in an organization like the UFC, is it seems as though... It's hard to get them to defend both belts. I don't think anybody has done it. So it's just... Um, it, it's, it's a little difficult to have the champ-champ. I get when fighters have accomplished a tremendous amount in their division or there's nobody left. I think the UFC looks back on that era in the 2000s, in those mid-2000s, early 2010s, when a lot of super fights could have happened and they weren't eager to make them, uh, and a lot of blown opportunities, there could have been some huge, huge fight cards that happened in the past that never got to materialize. I think now, because of that, there's a bit of that um, FOMO and that fear of missing out on it and it happening potentially again. So with that being said, yeah, I think you're seeing... The UFC being willing to make more and more super fights. Some of them are very important. I think the Amanda Nunez Chris Cyborg fight was a very important fight for women's mixed martial arts. As Amanda Nunez has now truly established herself as the best and possibly the best ever women. I think she is, as of right now, the best ever uh, women's mixed martial artist. Uh, for a long time, had Joanna J. Chick. Held on to her belt, beaten Rose, beaten Valentina. I think she might have had a claim because of how long she would have would be champion for. Joanna will always go down as being the best in her division, I think. At least for the time being, she is the best uh, in that division. Or well, that, that that division has seen. Rose is number one in that division right now. But in terms of looking at the, their places in history, I mean, Rose has only defended the belt against uh, Joanna. So, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But Amanda Nunez came in, uh, beat Misha Tate, beat Ronda Rousey, beat Chris Cyborg, um, beat Valentina twice. Uh, you know, and has learned. I think she had a couple of UFC losses or at least one UFC loss. I think she even lost to uh, Kat Zingano might have been her loss uh, via submission. So, she's learned. I think she is a bonafide Jiu-Jitsu black belt. And I really... I just have a tremendous amount of respect for Amanda Nunez. Everything she's been able to accomplish. I think it was... A, so I think it was an important fight. Chris Cyborg, I mean, was given a very difficult road to the UFC. She didn't make it easy on herself with the... You know, with the performance enhancing drug failed uh, tests. And, you know, all of that. And the steroids and whatnot. But, nonetheless, got to the UFC. Established herself. Firmly planted herself. Um... And got knocked out by Amanda. So I think it was a to establish who the best of the best was. It was an important fight. I think now you're going to see some reemergence, some old you know staples in those divisions. I think Jermaine Durandamy is going to kind of creep back in now. Holly Holmes always in the picture. Valentina Shevchenko. A lot more of that. Um, I'd be interested to see Valentina versus Chris Cyborg. Um, I think Chris Cyborg is a dominating champion, a hell of a champion. I think, you know, she needs to get back in the win column. And it happens. I mean, people are quick to forget what people have accomplished when they suffer a loss or if they suffer two losses. They're quick to forget just how good a fighter might be. Um, But those were important. But I'm, I'm reluctant to necessarily see Henry Cejudo move up. And possibly win the bantamweight title. I think it's nice that he beat Demetrius Johnson. I think it's nice that he defended against a different challenger. You know, it's it's one thing for them to win, and then their first defense is against the former champion. So Hudo's kind of firmly planted that the UFC ba- um, flyweight division is his division now. I just don't know how I like the champ champ situation there, uh, especially with now Max Holloway fighting for the interim lightweight championship. What motivation do you have to fight and defend both belts? You know, especially with weight cutting being what it is. I I think it might be happening a little too much. uh, But that's just my opinion. But yeah, I think... I, I don't know where the UFC Bantamweight division should or could go. But with that being said... I just I don't know. I think we need T.J. Dillashaw back as quickly, but there are some. There's Aljamain Sterling. There's Marlon Moraes. Um, you know, as I said, it's it's hard to say that Sudo doesn't belong in that picture. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, the other uh, interesting news is I mean, and and now with fighters now calling for kind of mid-range weight classes. You know, wanting things like 165-pound division, 175-pound division. I think you could see, if the UFC were to abandon the 125-pound men's division, I do think you will still, it's not that they're going to lose a champion. I think you're just going to gain it at a different weight class. I could see how a guy like Ben Askren would push for 165. Um, He couldn't, he'd make it. Uh, It would be a nice middle ground for him, and it would enable fights like him versus Khabib. I think that's where you'll see that. I think Anthony Pettis would be well-suited at a 165 versus 170. Um, And, I mean, there's an article right here. Ben Askren explains why Khabib title fight at 165 makes sense. I mean, yeah, the two are outstanding grapplers. Uh, Askren's still undefeated. I think Khabib might even be undefeated. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, But the big one here is the UFC's kind of biggest star still arguably is Connor mcgregor um how do you uh deal with Connor? Uh, he recently had his little stir up outside uh hotel or nightclub in miami um that's neither here nor there um and i actually had done a full episode talking about Connor mcgregor but i haven't published it yet maybe i'll do that later Um, or another time that'll be a lost episode. I have a bunch of episodes that I've saved. I'm like, ah, these are the lost episodes. I'll do a special uh, lost episodes kind of week or something. But anyway, Conor McGregor feels a little entitled that the UFC owes him something. He very well might be owed something. I just don't know where it's owed or who owes it to him. He talks about wanting his rightful share in company uh, and is willing to take a co-main event slot. I don't know from a business, and I mean that's a whole episode in itself. Uh, so, and I mean this episode's gone on uh, quite long now, so I don't want to keep you know uh, get too uh, disengaged here for all of you. But I will say that I do think it's it's very tough. To put Conor in a co-main event slot business-wise. You're trying to take a step back with your biggest star at that point. And I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but I think we deserve, that deserves a whole other episode and breakdown. But I just wanted to touch on the subject. The big thing and big stumbling block um, has been Donald Cerrone versus Conor McGregor. Seems to have been the fight that a lot of people were trying to make. Um... McGregor said that he... And he's recently said that he's currently in negotiations to fight in July. I don't know where that fight takes place. It'll be in Vegas, obviously. Um, But who that opponent is... Uh, Cerrone's set to fight right away against Ally Quinta. That'll be a tough fight. Cerrone's known to fight regularly. And a fight in the summer could still materialize. And I would like to see... Um, if you market it well, McGregor could still headline that card in a fight with Donald Cerrone. Uh, Either way you use it, you have to be thinking long-term with McGregor, and you can't be thinking one-and-done fights anymore. You have to look at how you want to use him, what you want to utilize him for, and where you want him to be. Does the UFC want him to be a champion again? Does Conor want to be a champion again? These are all things we can talk about in another episode. But in terms of talking about um giving him a cut of the revenue the ufc's kind of said look we're bigger than you you know if it's a chicken and egg kind of thing we think we came first and we still come first here um without the ufc there is no mcgregor versus without mcgregor there's still a ufc and i get that argument I don't know where McGregor's owed something, but I understand where he feels he is owed He has come in and did come in in a very short period of time and changed the game. Fighters are receiving bigger paydays because of Conor. Social fighters are getting more attention because of Conor. The UFC is getting more attention because of Conor. Conor is getting more attention because of Conor. The country of Ireland is probably getting more attention because of Conor. I just don't know where he is owed something, if he is owed something, and I think we can break that down in another episode, but I want to talk about that because it is interesting how maybe he does want to come back and fight, set himself up, he's 30 now, put in a couple of years, fight, build a nice little nest egg, right off into the sunset, have his business ventures, who knows? Um, but I think we can, um, for now, just kind of understand that, yeah, maybe I think we are looking to see Connor come back. I think it would be nice for the sport and for Connor and everybody if Connor could find his way back to the top. I think if he came back and beat, I don't think his next fight's against Khabib. I hate to tell people this, I don't think that's the right fight for Khabib or for Connor. I think Khabib needs to kind of move on a little bit. I think Conor needs to refine what made Conor great and then come back and be Khabib. It's hard to stay hungry if you're Conor. I get that. It really is. Um, he's making money hand over fist with his whiskey. He made a ton of money in both the Khabib fight and the Mayweather fight, and they were both losing fights. Made a ton of money against Eddie Alvarez. He's reached a different stratosphere in terms of UFC pay. I just think it is interesting if you can get him in a co-main event slot, that isn't the worst thing, it isn't the best thing, it isn't the worst thing, but it has to be done right. So it'll be interesting to see where that shapes up in the summer, especially who is he willing to take a co-main event slot to. So I think that's something to keep an eye on, especially now as we have this whole thing and how this clears up with uh, his incident uh, down in Miami, but I think it'll all work itself out for Connor. Uh, At the end of the day, there is some privacy issues. And as I've long said, uh, myself having been around um, the Vegas scene in the summertime, the poker scene, um, the sports scene. Whenever you have a chance to meet um, one of these athletes or celebrities, treat them like they're human beings. Um, That's my one recommendation. Um, Give them some courtesies. Ask if you can take a picture. Um, even if you just want to meet them and shake their hand there's a way of politely going about doing it And I strongly urge people to take that method. It's rude. It's not nice It's unpleasant to just shove yourself in people's faces. These are still people that are going to work um, At the end of the day um, Even at the World Series of Poker, and I have long said that yeah, the World Series of Poker is as much a sporting and, and attraction as it is a, a tourist attraction and they understand that, and the players understand their obligation to try and grow the sport. Remember too, people have bad days, and they are at work as well. Uh, and they have a lot riding on what they do. And it is possible to catch a player on a bad day. It is possible to catch a celebrity on a bad day. Um, just treat them like they're human beings, and respect their wishes. Sometimes they don't want to take pictures. And I've met um, public figures that didn't. Um, that were still super nice people. Uh, you know, and uh, there was an NHL general manager who uh, I met, was a super nice guy down in Vegas. This was years ago, I was still really young. and Instagram, I don't even think was around yet. Twitter was just kind of um, blossoming, Facebook was big, and I had asked, hey, can I get it? And even back then, his fear of online and what can be posted online. I mean, maybe rightfully so, maybe wrongfully so, I don't know. But he had some firm beliefs, and he was like, "No, I, you know, I really just don't want a picture." But you know, we sat, we chatted, we talked. Great guy. But again, yeah, perspective, wish. I think the outcome could have been different if I just put my, you know, my phone in his face. Like, that would have been awful. And I think sometimes we have to respect that people do have the right to boundaries and privacy, and don't just shove your picture. As I've said, a lot of them are willing to take pictures, are willing to pose for pictures, whatever it is. They understand the obligation, they understand what they need. And they'd rather pose for a picture that they were willing to be a participant in, than have their picture just taken. So, just remember that uh, when you have a chance. Most of these people understand they are ambassadors of the sport, or endeavor, whatever it is they're doing treat them with respect, I think when, uh, and that's a big thing to understand here, with this whole Connor thing, from what I understand, there is two sides to the story. Um, yeah, Connor might have, uh, gotten a little aggressive with the phone and, and destroyed the phone, um, but there was also the, um, the other side of that, which is he felt his privacy had been, been invaded. Uh, that being said i think this has been enough ufc and mixed martial arts talk for today um, i do thank you all for the continued and growing support here on the seems legit podcast uh, believe me when i say it does mean um the, a ton to me i do appreciate it so thank you so much for the continued and growing support um please uh make sure to subscribe and uh, if you have any suggestions for future episodes of the Seems Legit Podcast, feel free to reach out um, at the Uh That is the website for the podcast. Once again, it's the Uh Also, feel free to reach out. Please, if you aren't already doing so, follow me on both Twitter and Instagram uh, at the dude, Sunny D. That's for both of them. I uh, would love to have get, uh, you on the podcast if you are a Winnipeg business, Vegas business, whatever business, uh, and you'd like to be on the podcast, talk about it. Uh, for sure let me know uh, hopefully we can work something out um, and again hopefully you guys are all enjoying the content as I said um, here on the podcast so I thank you all so much again for the support the growing uh, support here on the podcast big shout out to all our friends and supporters of the show Vegas Squares podcast Selfix fix Doctors Skin Dimension Tattoo Zero Gravity Games B-Boys Honey all of you thank you so much again follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Dude thedudesunnyd thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast Take care and bye-bye for now.